0: Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hey, I'm Scott Pipe. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars.
1: All the racing I've done, supercars and, uh, you know, all the GT and drifting and all that kind of stuff, I think it all helps. A lot of seat time and having some good times racing, it's, it's a lot of fun.
2: As long as we don't allow some of the lunatics to um, get the keys, then uh, it'll continue to be at the um, at the
0: forefront, uh, through hard work and diligence, particularly on the part of the team owners and
1: investment by them,
0: from the race tracks across Australia and around the world. Here is Inside
2: Supercars. And welcome to Inside Supercars with Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock. Craig,
3: good evening, Tony. Uh, another. Very interesting weekend at Queensland Raceway, the track that is so boring it guarantees excitement.
2: Indeed, and you had your feet under the desk there. Um, a, a pleasant weekend weather-wise, I assume.
3: Yes, and that just uh, belies the fact that I probably got sunburnt over the course of the weekend because I was under my feet were under the desk, planted well in the uh, media centre.
2: Well, that's uh, an interesting thing. Always for someone from Canberra to be talking about sunburn. Indeed. Anyway, uh, it was a weekend where uh, the Agenda saw the usual culprits putting their noses up. That includes uh, Scotty, of course, who had a wonderful weekend, along with not such a good weekend for his mate Fabian. And the AAA guys, all three of them featured. Jamie probably uh, the least. Um, Shane was uh, consistent over the weekend with two-thirds. And Craig was about in the ten, so that was good for them. But the one shining light for... Uh, the other uh, team in the in the three that is the Pra uh, boys, they showed far more promise with uh, qualifying. I think most of their cars were in the ten, if not uh, all of them, most of them. And of course, Chaz pulled off his second win for the year. That was great uh, for him, a young man who is well and truly uh, going to be in the title hunt, uh, if not this year, certainly in the very near future.
3: Yes, he he he's looks like he's back to his uh, what was that uh, 2015 form or his pre-bathurst 2015 form but whilst he might be driving at uh, as one mark Scave would say an extremely high level the team's still a bit hit and miss with setup
2: yes indeed cam's getting closer to it mark seems to be on the back end of the 10 not in the mid 10s just at the back end of the 10 and usually Point. So they're still accumulating, but uh, uh, yeah, not, not a presence really amongst the, the two top teams. But, um, the other big news of the week was uh, that surrounding uh, the Australian GT Championship and that following a meeting with uh, Ken Collier, the head of GT in Australia, and Stephen Rattel, the World GT um, CEO, that uh, for 2018 and beyond that uh, GT4 is on the uh, agenda well and truly.
3: Mm-hmm. It was about a year ago when um, Roland Dane was on the, this program and he was interviewed by V8X magazine where he said that GT4 would be the uh, preferred GT option in his opinion rather than the sport if it was to go GT racing, go GT3. Um, some people at the time were a bit cynical, just saying he uh, wanted to stir the pot. And uh, uh, it's interesting now, though, that we do see GT3 getting the green light into Australia. Uh, uh, GT4, sorry, green light into, the, into Australia.
2: Well, knowing Tony Quinn, as I do, that um, he's a proactive man and certainly one who's built business not by sitting back and waiting for others to move. So not surprising that they should uh, do this. I understand that most manufacturers in GT3 are also will be represented in GT4.
3: Yes, that's right, and uh, there are a couple of cars that are uh, homologated for one, not the other. But
2: it, yeah, it yeah. is. I think um, Chev with Camaro mm-hmm. um, or Corvette, uh, maybe Aston Martin don't have a GT3, but they do a GT4. That sort of thing happens, I think.
3: Indeed, and it 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 is. Uh, going to be interesting to see what the take-up's like. This year's GT Series, and I know we're inside supercars, but this year's GT Series has seen great grids. The Trophy Class, which is on the road at uh, Queensland Raceway this weekend with the CAMS uh, Nationals event, has uh, also got extremely solid grids. Um, so, you know, with more cars at the uh, at the higher levels available to be homologated, we could even see a further uh, increase in the qualities of both those fields
2: well, Okay, after a postscript on uh, some of the things that happened last weekend, we're fortunate this week to have on Inside Supercars two of the drivers from that series, two, two of the younger drivers, Tim Blanchard who drives the Brad Jones Racing Cool Drive team, and Alex Rollo, who drives uh, Lucas D'Umbrell They're going to come up after the break, giving us not only their thoughts on how their weekend's going, but how their year is going, and uh, as they learn this, their craft in one of the toughest series in the world. After the break.
0: Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page, and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world.
1: Still a bit in shock. Uh...
0: Thanks, thanks everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. there actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Hi, I'm Chas Mostad. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso, and you're listening to Inside Supercars.
2: And welcome to Inside Supercars. We're here this week with Tim Blanchard and Alex Rollo. Good evening. Good evening. Hi, uh, good evening. Uh, Alex, you're in Perth. Tim, you're in Queensland. Okay, and we're... Uh we split around the country: Craig in Canberra, myself in Victoria. So, just uh, dealing with last weekend, um, close racing, close track. Um, do you like being at uh, Queensland Raceway, Tim? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a
1: probably not everyone's favourite track, but it always produces pretty good racing. Like the, the field, is really close around there, and uh, it always creates a bit of a freight train sort of effect of, of racing, which. Uh, I think it's pretty exciting for the fans and they can, the people at the track can see the whole circuit, so uh, I, think, I think it's a good weekend and uh, for us people from Melbourne, it's always good to get up and get some more uh, fun.
2: Alex, I imagine that uh, you'd be like uh, many rally drivers that it's more fun actually being out there amongst it rather than staying and watching it. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um,
4: yeah, the last weekend, uh, Ipswich didn't really go to plan for us. We sort of struggled in uh, practice chasing the car set up and Never really got on top of it and um, missed out on some valuable race laps on the, the first race in Cadillac, uh, only making it through two corners before getting taken out. So, uh, yeah, it didn't play out too well, but, um, you know, this year's all about learning. So, uh, at least I got the, the laps on Sunday.
2: Right. Okay. And, and Tim, you're gradually getting closer and closer to that 10. Um, mm-hmm. Are you uh, feeling that you're getting the car speed that uh, you want to, compared to you know, Nick and Dale, who are both... Closer to it. Uh, yeah, we're
1: kind of uh, sl- slowly chipping away at it. I think our our car's improved uh, quite a bit the last two or three rounds. Um, you know, we kind of feel like we made some really good move, uh, improvements with the chassis, and we've got some further developments coming on board later this year. But um, yeah, we just kind of got a, a few areas of our package we got to tidy up, which are a bit of a not not quick fixes, but we know where, where our weaknesses are and working pretty hard at fixing them and once we rectify them, I feel like we're going to be a, a pretty, pretty strong package.
2: And, and of course, one of the biggest controversies over the weekend was qualifying, and those, those, and that's a track where, you know, and similar to Simmons Plains, us, where the, the track length and the closeness of it makes it a difficulty getting through uh, in qualifying cleanly. Did you have that problem, Alex?
4: Um, for me, not really. I didn't have that problem. Um, I know my teammate uh, Alex Davidson definitely did over the weekend, Um,
3: but yeah,
4: I was was lucky enough to sort of stay out of it, but uh, it's just one of those things that happens, and I think, you know, everyone just really needs to be on their toes, but when everyone's trying to stitch a a lap together, it's just one of those things, and you can only put so much focus into a few things when you're in the car, and um, yeah, I think it's it's something that we definitely need to work on as a category, but... um, yeah, it has been a, few, been a few close calls, and including myself at Darwin. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's definitely something that I think, as drivers, we we definitely need to be aware of.
3: Tim, do you? There's a there's a mixed feeling out there between whether it's the driver's responsibility to no cars are coming, or whether it's the engineer's responsibility. Where do you where do you fall in the uh, in that argument?
1: Oh, I think it, I think it's a bit of both. You know, it's um it's the drivers should be watching their mirrors all the time and uh, you know making sure they're getting out of people's way. Like they, you know, most drivers should know when people are on a on a good lap or an out lap or an in lap. So I think the drivers have a fair bit of responsibility there as well. But you know, the engineers also can make it a lot easier. You know, they kind of you know, and our team we got procedures in place where they kind of keep us updated what's going on and it makes it a lot easier. But um, you know, I know when I was at LDM and you know, you're kind of the last guys that. Out of pit lane, it, it can be quite tricky because you've kind of got guys trundling around in second gear in front of you on your outlap and you've got the Red Bull guys coming around at, on their hot lap, and you kind of kind of stuck because you haven't really got many options of where to go. So it does get a bit challenging, but uh, just yeah, I think that the outlaps generally need to be the pace needs to be picked up a bit, which would make it a lot easier for for the guys leaving pit lane last to not get uh, in the way of the, the first guys.
3: And Alex um, coming
1: around to start their lap.
3: Alex that's a big thing too isn't it because in a 10 minute qualifying session you're you can be up to 2 minutes before you actually get onto the track when everyone's queued up in pit lane.
4: Uh yeah for sure when you know pit exit opens uh, the Red Bull cars are, are the first ones out there and then obviously every car goes out and um, it gets to about just under the minute mark when we actually exit pit lane and then Obviously, you got the warm up lap as well, so uh, it does make it uh, particularly tough. Like Tim said, on the on the, the smaller tracks, and um, yeah, I guess it's just one of those things that you do have to cooperate with the engineers. And um, I think there's probably a 50 50 percent. You know, um, there's a sorry, there's probably you know a 50 percent um, weight on you know the engineers and the drivers and. It's both' both of their duties and I guess it's just the duty of care between drivers and not only those you know warming up the tires but um on the warm up laps and the outlaps but the the drivers on the on the hot laps as well and you know I think we with Scotty, we saw on the weekend that there was you know cars warming up everywhere and um I think you know it just takes one of those cars to swerve in the wrong spot so um I guess you know even the engineers that are putting the cars out on the hot laps I think yeah it sort of makes it tough when they put it out and all the other cars coming out and it just puts you in traffic. And, you know, even I've been in that position where you just have to pull out of it just because you don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, some of the guys stay into it and, you know, that's when I think we see those close calls. But, um, again, there's there's definitely more duty of care on the the drivers on the warm-up laps
3: and Tim, uh, not wanting to harp on this though, but uh, you certainly have uh, been at you know all ends of uh, pit lane in in your career. Is it is it a case of the uh, the people who really get uh, hauled over the coals for that happening are more the people at the back than the front? Uh, because I would imagine this year you've been balked two or three times at least, but because you're not going for the pole necessarily on your lap people don't cover it as as closely
1: uh yeah you know i think we had a situation with that on uh saturday you know got stuck behind cam waters through the last sector and he was you know warming start his lap and didn't really get out of our way it didn't really cost us a, a huge amount but probably definitely cost us you know two or three spots on the grid but uh you know they don't really you know unless you're in one of those fancy cars or red bull cars they don't take too much notice of it but uh You know, that's that's just part of the challenge. You've got to make make sure you leave the lane right and you're not going to get yourself caught in traffic. So it's just as much on the the guy on the lap as there is the guys, uh, you know, on their outlaps.
3: Mm. Tim, this... you've
2: had a different dynamic this year because in your teammates, uh, with uh, Jason Wright moving on, you've now got two two men who are much closer to you in age and um, if not the same age, so to speak, and also open wheeler drivers. Um, do you find a a, a stronger bond between both uh, sorry, I meant to say uh, Tim before, of course your teammate Tim <laughs> Slade and, and yeah. Nick Burkett? Do you find that? Uh yeah, I guess, you know, it, it is a bit of a different relationship but uh you know, Nick and, and
1: Slade, we kind of grew up racing carts together and you know, we've been the three of us been good mates, you know, for a long time, you know, we were sixteen, seventeen at Sonic racing final forward together and you know, we we're all working in the workshop. You know, part of the deal at Sonic is, you know, you have to work work at the team during school days or during the, you know, once you finish school, you got to be there and help put your car together and clean the truck and all that sort of stuff. So we spend a lot yeah. of time together in our, our younger days, uh, especially at Sonic. Um, and you know, I was a pretty good mates lady Sladey in, in go karts as well. So we've known each other for a long time. So, so that's, that's part of it's good fun, but. Yeah, you know, I found working with Brady last year is really good. Like, you know, he's a really good guy to work with. He's got a lot of experience, and you know, he's he's not too uh, high stress. He uh, goes to the flow, and happy to work with you. So, yeah, yeah, you know, no, it's I, a bit of a different I, dynamic, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, I,
2: I wasn't you know, meaning was in any way. I mean, I've mean, I always mean, <laughs> respect for Jason and you know, yeah. what he's achieved and done over the years. Hmm. Alex, you on the other hand have had a very different dynamic because every race meeting you have a different teammate. Yeah, it's um, yeah.
4: obviously we had Taz at the start of the year and then there's been Cam McConville, Aaron Russell um, and now Alex Davison that's stepped in. So uh, yeah, I've, I've had a few different ones but um, I think uh, particularly Alex and Cam I've, I've definitely learnt a lot of because they're, they're really experienced and very technical in the way they handle things. So uh, I think being teammates with them it's probably putting me in the best position to, to learn off them as, as well as the engineers and the technical aspects of the car. So, uh, yeah, and that aspect has really helped me. And, um, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens for the rest of the year. But, um, you know, hopefully we can get uh, one of those guys on board.
2: I'm not trying to reflect at all on your age, Alex, but, of course, you, know, you are 17, aren't you? 17 now? Uh, yeah, correct. Yep. Yeah. Um, but that's the other thing that both Alex and Cam... Uh, unlike the others uh, you know they're they're both fathers and they're both more giving people as a result of that because you know they have to learn how to do that as a father you you know you do these sorts of things and so therefore they're more in a mentoring role that's something that they naturally tend to do
4: uh yeah i guess so and even Taz as well uh for sure they're you know they're just happy to be in a v8 supercar and they're just uh you know all races are hard and they're just, you know, happy for the opportunity to be racing in the, the main game as I am. So I think, you know, it, they're, they're definitely not racing, you know, with that competitive aspect as such because, one, they're not in the championship and, two, they don't really want to shut the car for Lucas. So um, yeah. I guess, you know, they, it sort of takes that competitive friction between teammates. So, uh, yeah, I guess the, the role of them being frung into the team is to, you know, sort of help me and, you know, uh, fulfill that second car role on the team. So I think... All of them have, uh, you know, definitely done that to the best of their ability. Mm.
2: And after the break, we'll be back with Tim and Alex to give us more of their thoughts. ...on their experiences in supercars in 2017.
0: The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every every year I see Jackie Stewart at Grand Prix and I just remind myself... of of his part in in starting the the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion.
2: Jack Brobham certainly left his mark, not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world.
0: Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Fabian
2: Coulthard, And you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back. Here again, we'll talk to
3: Tim and Alex. Now, Tim, you're in an interesting uh, position because you've got Wally Storey and Tony Woodlewood uh, both engineering your car. How does it work with two head engineers?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, um, Tony's kind of an up-and-coming engineer within our in our team and uh, he's done a great job as a data engineer in the past, but they wanted to kind of move, me, move him up and give him a bit more responsibility within the team. Uh, in saying that, you know, Wally's story, he's been around a long time and knows a lot about supercars and uh, has a lot of experience, so you don't want to lose that from the team. So, you know, kind of Tony takes more of the, the uh, I guess, the, the main, main role, like he's talking to me on the radio and uh, kind of makes most of, the, most of the calls, but Wally's kind of out there overseeing it and, you know, kind of giving Tony a bit of advice and mentoring him a bit as an engineer and giving suggestions and on how we can improve the car throughout throughout the day. So... It's kind of uh, at first I was probably a bit skeptical how it was going to work, and uh, but you know now we're kind of eighteen months into it. I think it works really well, and you know Tony's learning more and more around we go to, and he's benefiting a lot from Wallace's experience. And yeah, you know, I think it's good that we're, we're still using using both of them and maximising their their skills.
3: And Alex, at- uh, Alex, Alex, sorry Tony, Alex, uh, how have you now that you're more than halfway through the season, and you've you've got you know I I think uh, up until last weekend you completed about ninety percent of the laps in, in that have been run. How do you now look at the series, and how do you look at your preparation? Have you made a lot of changes yourself in how you get ready for the race?
4: Um, yeah, in terms of preparation, I guess the the thing this year that's changed the most is just a lot more seat time. So um, you know, we see guys like uh, Scotty McLaughlin and Shane, you know, they're always in race cars or cars. So I think that's definitely, you know, one of the key things to just keeping fresh. So I try to be in a race car as much as I can just in Perth. Um, and, you know, being in the car every two weeks at the start of the year, I was just learning so much each weekend. So I think that's been a, a crucial part. And, um, you know, I've learned so much compared to, you know, the DVS last year. Uh, so I think that's it's been a big step up in that aspect, but uh, I think it's been a good step.
3: There's a lot of outside noise in in supercars and and particularly in and around uh, Lucas Dumbrell. How do you and his team? How do you keep that away from what you're doing?
4: Um, yeah, obviously there's a, there's a lot of talk and stuff with social media these days, but um, I think it's a it's a positive thing and you can use it to your advantage. But um, you know, at the end of the day. If, you know, uh, the the noise isn't relevant and it's not really worth listening to. So, um, you know, I think you get advice every day, whether it's bad or good advice, and it's just about channeling the the bad advice out and uh, taking the good advice. So, uh, yeah, the people in the team, my engineer, uh, Tim, he's really switched on, so just really focused on working with him and sort of developing the car uh, for the
2: the second half of the season. I'm sure that's also something, Tim, that... uh, your old bosses in Michael and Maria Ritter and now of course the Joneses are you well aware of you know don't read the forums, don't listen to the uh, the social network sort of things because it's too easy to get distracted by it ah uh, yeah, it's not something I take too much notice
1: from but yeah no. uh, you, know, you kind of grow up with uh like you said Michael and Maria Ritter they're you know very very tough, so you kind of come up with that that background and uh you learn to be pretty your own worst. Critic, really, like you know, you push yourself pretty hard and uh, challenge, yep. challenge yourself regularly, and you know, and whenever you, you weren't, Michael was on your back, making sure that you kind of knew that that attitude wasn't good enough. So, so uh, yeah, it's, I really don't really don't worry about it too much, and you know, you read lots good. of
2: there's good. always lots of negative and positive yeah uh, comments, but uh, yeah,
1: it's not something I worry too much about. No,
2: nor should you. Um, one of the things I'd be interested, to Tim, because you've been in the series either four or five years? Is it full time? Um, uh, this is my fourth, fourth yeah. year. Yeah, so full-time. you've seen a number of formats over that time period, and now it seems as though uh, supercars have now settled on a format. You know, obviously the uh, uh, qualifying sessions, you know, one per day, um, is very good for you in terms of your learning program because you get that opportunity to do it. You know, twice in a weekend compared to the old days when there was just one for the weekend. But also, in terms of the longer races now going with the 120s and the 200s regularly, and a number of meetings uh, this year where we had dual 200s. Is that a format that suits you, uh, Tim?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think so. I think we've kind of got the the balance on the formats, the the
2: best it's ever been
1: since I've been in the main series, including endurance races, done five or six years now, and it's probably probably the best it's ever been. So. yeah, I, I personally prefer the longer races. The more strategy and the more variables you throw into it with pit stops and different fuel loads and different tyre strategies you can run, I think it makes the race a lot more exciting because you've got people on different tyres and it gets rid of a lot of that processional uh, sort of racing. Which, you know, I think when we had those 60 60 races that produced a lot of that, the idea was to have, you know, short, sharp races where people were a bit more desperate. but... You know, people don't want to bin their cars, and it, you know, there's only so much you can do. You need to have a bit of a fuel advantage or a tyre advantage to to pass people these days, and because it's so close and so even. Um, so, I think you know,
2: having having the longer races produces that that opportunity. And being um, mid uh, pit lane where the Brad Jones teams are, is that making a difference to your stops in terms of feed in and feed out sort of uh, thing? Uh Oh, it depends. It kind of changes a lot. Like you know, when it was with the LDM being the
1: first one in there, when everyone pulled into pit lane, it made it very easy to get into your into your box because you're the first one. So sometimes yeah. when everyone pulls, and there's a safety car, and the whole field pulls into pit lane, it's a bit hard to get into your into your garage. But but yeah, it's, it's got positives and, and negatives. That's for sure.
2: And Alex, you obviously are enjoying the longer races because you're just getting the seat time and and uh, not having to pull in for uh, the end of a race. Uh yeah pretty much the, uh, the the most I've learned so
4: far this year has, has been in the races and sort of comparing it to the other cars and managing that tire over a stint so um I think that's where it's definitely the the most difficult part of driving these cars and um yeah to to finish most of the races this year has um you know been really good for me and uh that that'll be the end for the rest of the year good.
3: Alex, with the uh, enduros, you, you've never gone that far in a car before. How do you physically prepare yourself for, you know, your share of five hundred and a thousand kilometres?
4: Uh, yeah, I, I guess it'll be tough. But um, you know, we've already had some tough ones this year. Jumping straight into Eclipse was, um, you know, a bit unpredictable for me. I, I didn't know it was going to come of it, and um, I guess it was a, a test of my fitness and. I did struggle a little bit at the start of the year, but, uh, you know, being in the race car every two weeks, you sort of just get race fit from that itself. And then, you know, I do do a fair bit of work back in Perth, you know, just outside of that, um, just for, you know, general fitness, not even to to do with supercars. But obviously it does help. And, um, you know, I think, again, just having those races consistently and and frequently has, um, you know, definitely helped that.
3: And Tim, what's the best bit of advice you could give Alex?
1: Oh, uh, what, in, in fitness and stuff like that? or Just in I guess,
3: enjoying his, yeah, being I guess, a supercar driver. Yeah, <laughs>
1: um, yeah it's, uh lots, lots of uh, exciting parts of it, I guess. You know, I guess it's just working out what, what works for you and, uh, you know, you kind of, like Alex touched on, You, everyone's going to offer you advice and you just have to work out what, what works for you, you know, just because... One guy does a certain, has a certain training program or has a certain way of preparing for a race. Uh, doesn't mean that's what, what's going to work for you. So you have got to experiment quite a bit, and especially in your first few years, as to what what works best for your preparation and to get the best out of your your uh, results, because best out of your performance because it's very. Uh, depending on your personality and, and what you require. So it's just a bit of a learning curve, and that's something yeah, Alex has probably had the opportunity to learn through a formal Ford sort of category like most of us learn, and so he's going to do it on, on the big stage. But, you know, like Alex touched on, you know, when you're racing every second week, you can kind of combine three years of learning into one year.
2: Um, Tim, one thing that uh, happened the weekend was that um, Todd, your co-driver in the Enduros, um, he uh, got out there and he showed the flag pretty well. Um, you must be encouraged to have him as a co-driver to see him uh, uh, understand you were dicing fairly closely uh, on the Sunday race.
1: Uh, yeah, he did, did a very good job. So it's, you know, same test track very, very well and he's done a lot, lot of laps around there, but, you know, it's not, not easy jumping into the main game, no matter how experienced you are at that track or how well you know the car and, and people you're working with. And I think he adapted very well and um, I think a lot of people were quite surprised at how how well he he went on the weekend, and for me personally, that's really exciting going into the endurance races because to have a, a good consistent uh, and fast
2: co-driver you know, make, makes your life as main driver a lot easier. And similarly to yourself, in that having old heads like yours with the Jones and uh, Todd with the Stones, there's you know good mentoring uh, given to him. Yeah, yeah,
1: you know, like Brad. That's pretty good. He's, you know, at the end of the day, he's one of the few team owners that have a racing background, and you know, he is quite a successful racer himself, and so he under- understands the, the stresses and the pressure from from a, a driver's point of view. But he's also got quite experienced as a team owner, and you know, works very closely with engineers on strategy and things like that. So he's has a very level approach because he kind of see all different angles, and uh, you know, that, that's pretty beneficial for for a driver having someone in the garage talking to the engineers who so kind of know what, what we're thinking inside the car.
2: Yeah. And Alex, do you know your uh, co-driver yet for the Enduros?
4: Um, no, we haven't sort of selected a co-driver as such, but um, I guess pretty much all the people you've seen in the car this year, we've, you know, it'll definitely be one of them. Um, I guess it's just sorting who goes in what car and, um, you know, who fits into to wear the best and will be the main driver in car three and I guess that'll all fall into place and, um, you know, it's just a a bit of a puzzle.
2: Well, we hope the puzzle works out well for you, Alex uh, and Tim. Uh, It's been wonderful talking to you today and I look forward to catching up uh, at the track. I'm probably not going to make it to Eastern Creek, but it will certainly catch up at Sandown. And, uh, Tim, please pass on your regards to your father and grandfather. I know them and I think they're terrific people as well as great drivers in their time.
1: Yep,
2: will do. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank, so thank you. Thanks for having me. And thanks, Alex. Look forward to meeting you as well again. I did meet you very briefly a couple of years back when you were in the development series, but uh, um, we'll meet and uh, exchange views. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being both with Tim uh, Brainchard and Alex R- Alex Willow on today's Inside Supercars.
0: Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year
1: in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as the cars in Australia is where i see myself.
2: Second crack at the Australian Times since we've been back and a bit unlucky the
0: first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on Community radio and online at sportradio.com AU
3: Hi I'm Craig Lance. Hi, I'm Dale Wood, and you're listening to Supercars Today.
2: And Craig, final thoughts. I'd just like to reflect back on you know someone who is putting together an amazing season because he just joined the team. It was certainly thought that Scotty would shine brightly, but Scott McLaughlin yeah. is showing the sort of qualifying form that he's then making into race-winning uh, form as well, but qualifying form that hasn't been seen in the style that it is since Dick Johnson got five in a row back in uh, 1988, so 29 years ago. Um, Scotty has done something that uh, no-one's done since then. It's an extraordinary thing that's taken this long. Uh, of course, Jamie's uh, had 13 polls in a season and holds that record overall in 2013, but uh, already Scotty has climbed in just five years to sit now tenth in front of people like uh, oh who can I see is on the list here uh, Marcus Ambrose uh, Will Davison, and Jason Bright uh, Jim Richards Chad Shane Chainmakers you know he's climbed in front of all those guys the number of poles he's got in five years so not only is he getting a fast car but he's using it well in qualifying so it's fantastic to see. The other thing, just very briefly mentioned, Craig, is about uh, how well, first of all, Jack on the Saturday, how well he did. Uh, He was the the best of the wild cards. Unfortunately, a DNF on Sunday after a crash, not his fault. But then Todd Hazelwood, making his debut in the main series, he made a great uh, run on Sunday, and was out there dicing. I think it was with Tim Blanchard,
3: was not it? It was indeed. We uh, certainly saw those two teammates in the Enduros mixing it up quite well.
2: And your final thought, Craig?
3: My final thought is a plug to Inside Motorsport in the coming weeks. You might remember that I was uh, talking about a uh, lack of leg protection in the uh, super utes uh, in the photos and everything I've seen. Well, I've had some uh, had some uh, opportunity to speak with uh, some of the technical people, and the answer I got was an interesting one, and I'll let you uh, come up with your own conclusion that they haven't put leg protection. Into the uh, into the Super Utes as a as a standard item or as a mandatory item because it's a production car based series or a production truck based series and it would have ramifications for all other production car series in Australia. Now that's what I was told. Uh, that was what I was told is the reason why they haven't done it as a matter of course. And I'll, I'll let uh, people make up their mind if they're satisfied or or unsatisfied with that answer. The reason why I'm plugging Inside Motorsport is I've spoken to David Cedars and Ryle Harris following the latest round of the uh, Utes at Queensland Raceway. And coming the up
2: the current style Utes, isn't it?
3: That's right. And uh, yep. David Cedars was a one-off. Uh, Andrew Fisher, of course, uh, was a one-off as well last weekend. Um, but there's a September deadline for people to put their money on the table to say they're going to participate in the Super Ute series. And uh, there's some interesting quotes from both David Cedars and Ryle Harris about moving forward next year. And one thing that Harris has said as being... Uh, uh, a big thing that's buoying him is that the aftermarket uh, suppliers of uh, utes and ute components are extremely interested in this series and, and keen to uh, show their wares. So uh, that could be a huge, huge part of what makes up the, um, the sponsorship program. For the super utes in the future but uh, certainly listen to inside motorsport next week this week we talk about alan jones's new book but next week we'll be talking about the uh, super ute series with ryle harris and david cedars and we'll be back
2: next week with inside supercars so it's good night from tony Whitlock and <laughs> good night from
3: craig Ravel. craig
2: revell
0: <laughs> inside supercars is produced by thunder media tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au